ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so carrying on then with the tafsir of juz we have now arrived at suratul humazah waylul likulli humazatil lumaza alladhi jama'a malan wa'addada يحسب أن ما له أخلد كلا لا ينبذن في الحطمة وما أدراك ما الحطمة نار الله الموقدة التي تطلع على الأفئدة إنها عليهم مؤصدة here then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us Woe to every slanderer and backbiter Who has gathered wealth and counted it He thinks that his wealth will make him last forever Nay, verily, he will be thrown into the crushing fire. And what will make you know what the crushing fire is? The fire of Allah kindled, which leaps up over the hearts. Verily, it shall be closed upon them. In pillars stretched forth, i.e. they will be punished in the fire with pillars. So the opening ayah here is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَيْلٌ Woe! To every slanderer and backbiter. As Shaykh Al-Ithaymeen Rahimahullah Ta'ala says, Fi hadhihi surah Yabtadi'u Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala Bikalimat Wail That this particular chapter Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins it with the word wail. Wailun likulli humazati lumazah. Wail. And what does this word wail mean? Wailun likulli humazati lumazah. Wail. It is in English as we said, woe be to someone. Woe be upon someone. It is a word indicating a threat. Hiya kalimat wa'id. 
It is a word indicating a threat. أي أنها تدل على ثبوت وعيد لمن اتصف بهذه الصفات Meaning that it is a word that indicates or affirms the threat upon those who have these characteristics. The characteristics that are going to come up in the chapter now. Whoever has these characteristics, then they are threatened. This threat is upon them. Woe be to them. Woe be upon them. And who are these people? Wailulli kulli humazatil lumaza. Every slanderer and backbiter. And then the rest of the characteristics they carry on in the chapter will come to those. So what is this wail exactly? We said now generally it is a threat. It's a threat upon those people. Woe be upon the slanderers and backbiters etc. But what is this woe that will be upon them? What is this threat that will be upon them? Some of the scholars have mentioned that wail ismun liwadin fi jahannam. That the word wail, it indicates a valley in the hellfire. That the word is the name of a valley in the hellfire. But others, as we said, just mentioned it is a general word indicating some threat upon a person, the threat of punishment, etc., without it being specific to some valley or a particular valley in the hellfire. So the first opinion appears to be more correct, that it's a general word of threat indicating potential punishment upon a person, and that it's not specifically in reference to a valley in hellfire, but that is one of the possible meanings of it. So then, now that we know at the start of this surah, Allah is mentioning this threat of punishment upon people who have certain sifat. Certain characteristics. So what are those characteristics to begin with? For every slanderer and backbiter. The word kullu in Arabic is one of the constructs that indicates generality. It indicates generality. So indicating all of the slanderers and backbiters, generally all of them, broadly covering all of them. Kullu, a word indicating generality. So woe be to every 
angry slanderer and backbiter walhumaza walumaza wasfani limawsufin wahid these two words humaza lumaza backbiters and slanderers both of those words are depicting or they are attributes or characteristics of one thing a slanderer a backbiter it returns back to the same point however does that mean that humaza and lumaza both mean exactly the same thing or are they slightly different in what they intend in their meanings فَهَلْ هُمَا بِمَعْنَى وَاحِدٍ أَوْ يَخْتَلِفَانِ فِي الْمَعْنَةِ So are they both of the same meaning? Or do they have a different meaning? Do they differ the humaza from the lumaza? قَالَ بَعْضُ الْعُلَمَةِ Some of the scholars they said إِنَّهُمَا لَفْضَانِ بِمَعْنَى وَاحِدٍ that they are two words that have one meaning. They are two words, but they have one meaning, the same meaning. يَعْنِي أَنَّ الْهُمَزَ هُوَ الْلُمَزَ So according to some scholars, the humaza is the same as the lumaza. However, there is another opinion. قَالَ بَعْضُهُمْ بل لكل واحد منهما معنى غير المعنى الآخر that each one of them has a meaning that is different to the other so the humaza has a meaning and the lumaza has a meaning they are different and they are not the same وثم قاعدة and there is a principle. There is a principle to remember in this regard. As Shaykh Al-Athaymin says, أُحِبُّ أَنْ أُنَبِّهَ عَلَيْهَا فِي التَّفْسِيرِ وَغَيْرِ التَّفْسِيرِ As Shaykh Al-Athaymin says that I would like to bring your attention to it. This particular principle when it comes to tafsir and even outside of tafsir, there is a particular principle that I would like to bring your attention to, he says. أَنَّهُ إِذَا دَارَ الْأَمْرِ بَيْنَ أَن تَكُونَ الْكَلِمَةِ مَعَ الْأُخْرَى بِمَعْنَى وَاحِدٍ أَوْ لِكُلِّ كَلِمَةِ مَعْنَى فَإِنَّنَا نَجْعَلُ لِكُلِّ وَاحِدَةٍ مَعْنَى لِأَنَّنَا إِذَا جَعَلْنَا الْكَلِمَتَيْنِ بِمَعْنَى وَاحِدٍ صَارَ فِي هَذَا تِكْرَارٍ لَا دَاعِيَ لَهُ لَكِنْ إِذَا جَعَلْنَا كُلَّ وَاحِدَةٍ لَهَا مَعْنًا صَارَ هَذَا تَأْسِيسًا وَتَفْرِيقًا بَيْنَ الْكَلِمَتِينَ الشيخ الأثيمين says when you find yourself in this kind of situation where there are two words 
and we have an option. Either we could say both of those words mean exactly the same thing, or we could say that actually each one has a slightly different meaning. In that circumstance, then it is correct to say that those two words have independent meanings. Because if you say both of the words have the same meaning, then that means it is just repetition without benefit. If the humaza is exactly the same as the lumaza, then only one of them could have been mentioned. There was no reason to mention both in that case. Therefore, this indicates they must be different. There must be something different about them for them both to have been mentioned. So it is better and superior and more accurate and correct to say that each one of them has a separate and independent meaning rather than trying to say both of them have exactly the same meaning and therefore it is just repetition. So, as-sahih fi hadhihi al-ayah so what is correct in this ayah is that those two words, there is a difference between them. They have different meanings. فَالْهُمَزْ بِالْفِعْلِ He says, the difference between the two of them would be that the humaza, when it says, the humaza is someone who is doing some action. An action is being done. Whereas the lumaza is in reference to a statement being made. The humaza is someone who is doing something evil in his action, physically. Whereas the lumaza is in reference to someone doing something from his statement of evil. فَالْهَمْزُ بِالْفِعْلِ يَعْنِ أَنَّهُ يَصْخَرُ مِنَ النَّاسِ بِفِعْلِهِ so the one who is in the category of the humaza is the one who is making a mockery of the people with his own actions. He is mocking the people and doing bad to the people with actions that he performs. Whereas, and that could be for example by making faces at people That's a physical action that you're doing. Making a face at someone, frowning at someone. Physical types of behaviors and actions, they would be within the humaza. أو بالإشارة يشير إلى شخص انظروا إليه ليعيبه أو ما أشبه ذلك فالهمز يكون بالفعل Or for example, when somebody physically points at someone, points at them and gets everybody to look at them and laugh at them, this is a physical action being done again, pointing out someone and mocking them or laughing at them. 
So that is the meaning of the humaza, the one who makes a mockery or, or, or uh, abuses the people physically with his behavior and actions. Whereas the lumaza, alams bilisan, that is something that occurs upon your tongue, upon your statements. And the Shaykh says there are some people who are uh, 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 like addicted that this is all they do. They pick out the faults of the people either with their physical actions against the people or through their speech against the people mocking and picking out faults in people and, and, and wronging people with their behaviors and their statements. That is something some people are engrossed in. Some people, they are engrossed in that. That is all they do, picking out the faults of the people and behaving towards them in an evil way and speaking about them in an evil way. So that is the opening ayah highlighting the danger of those two characteristics. The characteristic of the one who mocks and abuses people physically with his actions and behaviors and the one who does so verbally with his statements. That is the wail Upon every likulli humaza It mentions in the translation the slanderer and backbiter. And in the detail here, we have learned that it is the difference between physical actions and behaviors of evil towards someone and statements of evil against someone. The one who engages in that type of behavior, then wail upon him. The woe is upon him. Then the next characteristics are mentioned, the other sifat. The one who has gathered his wealth and counts it, gathers his wealth and counts it, الذي جمع مالا وعدد gathered his wealth and counts his wealth. هذه أيضا من أوصافه القبيحة This is also from his bad characteristics. From the bad characteristics, a person who gathers the wealth and then counts and counts that wealth and that is all he wishes to do, does not give anything in charity. Gathers the wealth for himself and refuses to give anything to those in need refuses to give anything away, to give in charity. فَهُوَ بَخِيلٌ لَا يَعْطِي 
He is a miser. Bakhil, a miser. And he does not give. He does not give in charity and donate and help. He just collects his money and collects it and collects it. Gathers it and gathers it and gathers it. And counts it and counts it and counts it. And is a miserly individual will not give away anything in the charity or to those in need of it. لكن لشدة شغفه بالمال يتردد عليه وعدده. When it says in this ayah, الذي جمع مالا وعدده. The one who gathers his wealth and then counts it. The miserly one doesn't want to give anything away. But counts it. It mentions, as Shaykh Al-Athameen says, that this type of person counts his wealth regularly, consistently counts it in the morning, then goes and counts it again in the evening, even though he knows he has not spent anything that day, neither has he put anything more into it that day. So the figure that he gets in the evening is going to be the same figure that he got in the morning, but from the level of addiction that he has to his wealth, the level of uh, uh, attachment he has to his wealth, he counts it and counts it, counts it in the morning, goes again and counts it in the evening, even though there is no change that has occurred to his wealth from the morning to the evening. And here the sheikh says he will go to his sunduq, like a, 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 like a security box or a safe, or, or these days now to your bank account, count it in the morning, go and check it again in the evening, and it's exactly the same. From that miserliness and desire and attachment to wealth. أو يريد أن يطمئن زيادة على ما سبق فهو دائما يعدد المال. So he is so attached to his wealth that he goes and regularly counts it, fearing that maybe something has become lost from it or taken from it. And that is from his extreme love and attachment to his wealth, excessive. And when something extra has gone in, he goes and counts it again and again to make sure that the extra has gone in. Again from his extreme attachment and uh, devotion to his wealth. Also, وَقِيلَ مَعْنَ Another meaning that the scholars have mentioned عَدَّدَهُ can have. أَيْ جَعَلَهُ عِدَّهُ لَهُ 
يعني ادخره لنوائب الدهر وهذا وإن كان اللفظ يحتمله لكنه بعيد لأن إعداد المال لنوائب الدهر مع القيام بالواجب بأداء ما يجب فيه من زكاة وحقوق ليس مذموما وإنما المذموم أن يكون أكبر هم الإنسان هو المال يتردد إليه ويعدده وينظر هل زاد هل نقص فالقول بأن المراد عدده أي جمعه للمستقبل قول ضعيف There is another opinion about what it means when it says الذي جمع مالا وعدده The one who gathers his wealth and then عدده We've just been explaining the strong opinions are that he constantly goes and counts it morning, night, attached to his wealth, greedy. But there's another opinion that عدده means that he keeps saving it and saving it and saving it. And that's a weak opinion because if you have wealth, for example, you have a salary and you get a thousand pounds a month, for example. And from that salary that you get, you spend the obligatory money. You spend the obligatory money on your wife, on your children that you must spend as an obligation in the religion. You give your zakat as an obligation that you must give. You fulfill all of the obligations. And then after you've done all of that, you've paid your bills and everything as well. What's left, you save it. Is there anything wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that. If you fulfill all of your obligations, the Islamic obligations upon you, your responsibilities, your family, your bills, everything, and then what's left from that thousand pounds a month, you save it. Nothing wrong with that. That's allowed. It's permissible. So this opinion that the meaning of عدد is that he keeps saving, keeping saving isn't a problem if you are fulfilling your obligations. That's why they say that opinion isn't as strong The strong opinion is that he is greedy and so connected and attached to his money that he regularly wants to keep going and looking at it. How much is it? How much is it? Regularly attached and connected morning and evening, checking his account. That is the meaning of عدada, to indicate his greed and his, his attachment to wealth and his miserliness. And then what does Allah tell us? يحسبوا He thinks that his money will make him last forever. He thinks that his money will somehow make him last forever. يعني يظن هذا الرجل أن ماله سيخلده ويبقيه إما بجسمه وإما بذكره لأن عمر الإنسان ليس ما بقي في الدنيا بل عمر الإنسان حقيقة ما يخلده بعد موته ويكون ذكراه في قلوب الناس وعلى ألسنتهم So he thinks that this money, this wealth that is gathering and constantly attached to and counting and not spending and giving or anything from it He thinks all of this money will make him last forever. And lasting forever can have two meanings. He thinks that this money will make him last forever. Two meanings to that. 
Either he thinks that this money will make him last forever physically. And how physically? Don't we all die? How does he believe this money will make him last forever physically in his body? That is something right now which exists. Right now. And some of the medics here and the doctors will have heard about these things. There are companies, some in America, some in other places. These companies, uh, I forgot what you call them. Is it astrogenics or something, something? These companies, they say, pay us like hundreds of thousands of pounds. I don't know how much. And when you die, we will completely freeze your body. They take out the blood from your body. They put in some other liquid into your, in your body. They take the blood out. They put other liquid in your body so your body doesn't rot. Your body doesn't uh, decompose. It stays. And they put all of that liquid in you, take all of the blood out of you when you die, and then they freeze you like minus 100 or minus 200 or I don't know what temperature. Cryogenics, there you are. Cryogenics. They say we do this cryogenics. Pay us 200,000, 400,000, 100,000, I don't know how much money, million, two million. And then when you die, we will take all the blood out of your body, put the new liquids inside, freeze you, minus 200 or something. And why are they going to do all of that? How does that make your body survive? Because they say, in the future, maybe in 200 years, in 2,000 years, maybe in the future, we humans will work out how to bring people back to life so your body will be preserved. And so in the future, in 1,000 years, 2,000 years, our company, if we work out how to bring people back to life, then your body will be ready, will bring you back to life. Contract. We will bring you back to life maybe 1,000 years, 2,000 years. Who knows, maybe the company is going to go bankrupt next year. But they say, we, in 1,000, 2,000 years, when we work it out, when the humans and science, they work out how to bring people back to life, your body will be preserved and perfect, will bring you back to life. And they have these bunkers underground. I don't know how far underground, even if nuclear thing happens, your body is preserved. So this is something people believe now, that their money and their wealth will preserve them physically. They believe that one day they'll be able to come back to life again in this world. And of course we know that is absolute nonsense. The only time they will come back again will be on Yawmul Qiyamah. All of that money wasted. The hundreds of thousands, the millions or whatever they pay. The second meaning of he believes that his wealth will maintain him forever and keep him forever, make him last forever, is through becoming famous. That with a lot of money, if you're rich and famous, then even after you die, people will still remember you. They will still remember this billionaire who used to live, and look, he, he used to own all of this city, and he used to own all of these buildings here, and these were... People will remember the billionaire, the millionaire, 
even after he dies. So he thinks all of this money gathering it together, it will keep my memory alive after I die amongst the people. They will remember me as the millionaire who built this park and built this and did this and did that and did all these things. They will remember me as the great millionaire even after I die. So he believes his money will make his memory continue in the people after his death. And the scholars have mentioned, it is not your wealth that will keep your memory alive after you die. Rather, it is your knowledge, your knowledge and taqwa and your righteousness and goodness. Those are the types of things people will remember a person for. Look at now here, we're talking about uh, Al-Imam Ahmad and Al-Imam Malik and all of these great scholars. 1,000 years ago they died. We are not talking about them because they were rich or wealthy. We're not talking about the money or anything they had. We talk about them and we remember them for their knowledge. And that is something known. And that's why the scholars, they say, an alim, he is known. Ma'roof. Known to everybody after he dies even. Even after he dies, everybody knows him. The alim. But the jahil, nobody knows him even when he's alive. He doesn't seek any knowledge, doesn't do nothing. Nobody knows him even when he's alive. The alim is known when he's alive and even after he dies. So this one, he thinks his money is going to make his memory after he dies. أَيَحْسَبُ أَنَّ مَا لَهُ أَخْلَدَهُ أَيْ أَخْلَدَ ذِكْرَهُ أَوْ أَطَالَ عُمُرَهُ وَالْأَمْرُ لَيْسَ كَذَلِكَ فَإِنَّ أَهْلَ الْأَمْوَالِ إِذَا لَمْ يُعْرَفُوا بِالْبَذْلِ وَالْكَرْمِ فَإِنَّهُمْ يَخْلُدُونَ لَكِنْ بِالذِّكْرِ السَّيِّئِ But the Shaykh says, if a person who's rich doesn't do anything with their wealth, doesn't give in charity, doesn't aid the needy, then he's not going to be remembered afterwards even if he was a millionaire. The person who will be remembered, if it is for wealth, will be the one who was completely generous and gave his wealth in the path of Allah and built the mosques and built the schools. That may be that person, but the one who gathered all his wealth and counted all his wealth, he's not going to have any memory from that. Instead, that person will be remembered in a poor way, that this person was so wealthy, but he never used to spend his money. He was a miser, miserly individual, never used to give. So there will be no goodness for that person in that. So that is another bad characteristic mentioned. Then Allah says, Verily, he will be thrown into the crushing fire. Verily, or nay, verily he will be thrown into the crushing fire. Kalla, huna yusammiha al-ulama harf rad'a. Ay, tarda' hadha al-qail aw hadha al-hasib an qawlihi aw an hisbanihi. واحتمل أن تكون بمعنى حقا يعني حقا لا ينبذن وكلاهما صحيح هذا الرجل لن 
يُخْلِدَهُ مَالُهُ So this here now where it says كَلَّا We say nay. And some of the scholars they've mentioned this is a word that indicates to you or gives you some meaning of to, to, to give you a meaning of fear, to prevent you from doing something, to stop you from doing something, to frighten you away from something. So, kalla, nay, verily he will be thrown into the fire. And the other meaning of this can be that truthfully, absolutely, he will be thrown into the fire. La yumbadhanna fil hutamah. اللام هذه واقعة في جواب القسم المقدر والتقدير والله لا ينبذن في الحطامة. Here when Allah says لا ينبذن في الحطامة, He will be thrown into the crushing fire. There is actually an oath that is implicit here. An oath that is implicit, مقدر. It is like the ayah is saying, by Allah, he will be thrown into the crushing fire. Wallahi la yumbadhanna fil hutamah. So there is an oath that is implicit, muqaddar, in this particular ayah. La yumbadhanna, ayuqrah tarhan, that he will be thrown in there, cast into the hellfire. وَإِذَا قُلْنَا أَنَّ اللَّامِ لِجَوَابِ الْقَسَمِ صَارَتْ هَذِهِ الْجُمْلَةِ مُؤَكَّدَةِ بِاللَّامِ وَنُونَ التَّوْكِيدِ وَالْقَسَمِ الْمَحْذُوفِ So if now you consider that there is an oath in this ayah, then there are three points of emphasis in this ayah. You have three points of emphasis. Wallahi, the implicit oath by Allah. La, the lam here is for emphasis, tawkid. And then the nunu tawkid at the end, la That is also for emphasis. Three points of emphasis by Allah. He will certainly be thrown into the fire, definitely. Three points of emphasis. وَمِثْلْ هَذَا كَثِيرٌ فِي الْقُرْآنِ الْكَرِيمِ اي تَأْكِيدُ الشَّيْءِ بِالْيَمِينِ وَاللَّامُ وَالنُّونِ And this is quite common in the Qur'an, where you have three points of emphasis with an oath, and the lam and the noon. وَاللَّهُ تَعَالَى يُقْسِمُ بِالشَّيْءِ تَأْكِيدًا لَهُ وَتَعْظِيمًا لِشَأْنِهِ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath upon something to indicate the greatness of that thing, the greatness of that affair. So this is a tremendous affair, it's a great affair. How they will be cast into the hellfire, that tremendous punishment that will occur. It is a great matter that they will be thrown and cast into the fire. Who is the one 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 who is the
So when the ayah says, verily, he will be thrown into the fire, but in Arabic, the pronoun there could be translated as, verily, it will be thrown into the fire. If it was translated as, verily, it will be thrown into the fire, then it could mean the money. All that money that he was gathering, useless. It will be burnt in the fire. But if it's translated as he, then obviously the person himself. And both of those could be correct. Both of them are cast away, the person himself and that useless wealth. Also, when it mentions it means something that crushes you. And completely breaks up something, crushes something, smashes something. And that is in reference to the hellfire here, that it will be the hellfire that crushes that individual. Uh, and that's why it mentions, And how will you come to know? What do you know of what this crushing fire is? What will cause you to understand and know what this crushing fire is? And the reason why that type of ayah is mentioned like a question, and what will cause you to understand what this crushing fire is? That type of question is there to again indicate the greatness of that fire. The greatness of the hellfire. And then, Narullahil Muqadah. The fire of Allah that has been kindled. Narullahil Muqadah. The fire of Allah which is kindled, it is lit up. Hada al Jawab, ay, hiya Narullahil Muqadah. This is the answer to the previous ayah. That how will you understand or what will make you to know what this crushing fire is? It is the fire of Allah that has been kindled. It is the fire of Allah that is lit. Al-Muqadah. وَأَضَافَهَ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى إِلَى نَفْسِهِ لِأَنَّهُ يُعَذِّبُ بِهَا مَنْ يَسْتَحِقُّ الْعَذَابِ فَهِيَ عُقُوبَةِ So Allah has attributed or connected the fire to himself, the fire of Allah. And why is that connection made the fire of Allah? Because it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who will punish whomsoever is deserving of punishment in that fire. And so that punishment for whoever is deserving of it, is a punishment upon justice. With the justice of Allah, those who deserve to be punished will be punished. Not upon oppression. There will be no oppression. Nobody is punished upon oppression. Rather, those who are punished are punished upon justice. Al-adl. لِأَنَّ الْإِحْرَاقِ بِالنَّارِ قَدْ يَكُونُ ظُلْمًا وَقَدْ يَكُونُ عَدْلًا فَتَعْذِيبُ الْكَافِرِينَ فِي النَّارِ لَا شَكَّ أَنَّهُ عَدْلٍ وَأَنَّهُ يُثْنَى بِهِ عَلَى الرَّبِّ عَزَّ وَجَلْ حَيْثُ عَامَلَ هَؤُلَاءِ بِمَا يَسْتَحِقُّونَ 
So punishing somebody in the fire could be unjust. It could be oppression. Or it could be just. So in regards to the kuffar being punished in the fire by Allah, then of course without a doubt that is upon justice, not upon any injustice or oppression. وَتَأَمَّلْ قَوْلَهُ الْحُقَامَةِ مَعَ فِعْلْ هَذَا الْفَاعِلْ these are some of the eloquent points of the Quran they mention that who are the ones who are going to be thrown into this hutama they are the ones who were mentioned in the first ayah the humaza and the lumaza they are going to be thrown into the hutama all of those words sound the same they rhyme as we say they sound the same and that is an indication of how those individuals the humaza and the lumaza they are the ones deserving of the hutama for their actions and their statements they will get the due recompense, the accurate recompense in that crushing fire. Such that in the eloquence, even the words, they rhyme as we say, they sound the same. Then it mentions, Narullahil Muqada, the fire of Allah that has been kindled, lit up. That fire which leaps up over the hearts. The fire that leaps up, jumps up over the hearts. That is the plural of fuad, afidah, and that means the heart. وَالْمَعْنَى أَنَّهَا تَصِلُ إِلَى الْقُلُوبِ The meaning is, when it says this fire will jump upon the hearts, will leap over the hearts, meaning that the fire will penetrate into and burn the hearts of those people too. وَالْمَعْنَى أَنَّهَا تَصِلُ إِلَى الْقُلُوبِ مِنْ شِدَّةِ حَرَارَتِهَا from the severity of its heat, it will penetrate into and burn the hearts. Sheikh says, despite the fact that the hearts are concealed within the body, they are uh, kept inside of the body, and there are layers above the heart. You have the layers, the muscle, the bone, the skin, all of those layers. When you surgery, cut through all of those layers to get down into the heart, the skin, the muscle, the bones, all of those things are there. And yet through all of those layers, the heat of the fire will burn that individual. 
And that indicates the severity of the fire and the heat of that fire. Innaha, and then Allah mentions, Innaha alayhim mu'sada. Verily, it shall be closed upon them. It shall be closed upon them. Innaha alayhim, ay al-hutamah, wa hiya naru Allah al-muqadah, ay ala al-hammaz, wal-lammaz, wal-jamma' lil-mal, al-manna' lil-khayr, wa'a'ada al-dhamir bilafz al-jamma' مع أن المرجع مفرد باعتبار المعنى لأن لكل همزة الهمزة عام يشمل جميع الهمازين وجميع اللمازين So this fire it will encompass them and be closed in upon them Upon all of those individuals who harmed and abused others and mocked them with their actions and their statements, their backbiting, their slander, all of those types of affairs, they come into it. All of those people and the ones who gathered their wealth in miserliness and they prevented the goodness and the giving to the needy, etc. All of those individuals, then this fire will be closed in on them. Mu'sadah, meaning mughlaqah. Mughlaqah. Mughlaqatul abwab. La yurja lahum faraj. Wal'iyadu billah. That the doors, the gates of hellfire will be closed upon them. And they will have no possibility of exit or escape or reprieve from that. Kullama aradu an yakhruju minha u'idu fiha. Every time they wanted to exit, they are cast back within it. That they try to get out of the hellfire. And they make it up to the gates of hellfire. But when they make it up to that far, to the gates of hellfire to exit, then from that stage they are thrown back in again. And that is, كُلُّ هَذَا لِشِدَّةِ التَّعْذِيبِ That is all to increase the severity of punishment on them. That they think they're about to get out, and they try and try and try, they think they're going to get out, and then they are thrown back in again. That makes them completely in a level of punishment and depression and loss. That was more than before. So all of that is a form of punishment upon them. لِأَنَّ الْإِنسَانِ إِذَا طَمِعَ فِي الْفَرْجِ وَأَنَّهُ سَوْفَ يَنْجُو وَيُخْلِصْ وَيَفْرَحْ فَإِذَا عِيدَ صَارَتْ انْتِكَاسَ جَدِيدَةً So when a person thinks he's about to escape, then he gets happy. He becomes happy thinking he's going to escape, he's about to escape. But then at the final point, he is thrown back in again. So his level of loss and sorrow and depression will be multiplied from having uh, then been thrown back in again. So in that way they are punished with their physical bodies being punished and also internally, mentally being punished. Thinking they're about to escape and then thrown back in again. 
وعذاب أهل النار مذكور مفصل في القرآن الكريم والسنة النبوية and the punishment of the people of the fire is mentioned and detailed in the Quran the noble Quran and the prophetic sunnah تأمل الآن لو أن إنسانا كان في حجرة أو في سيارة اتقدت النيران فيها وليس له مهرب الأبواب مغلقة ماذا يكون في حصرة عظيمة لا يمكن أن يماثلها أن يماثلها حصرة فهم العياذ بالله هكذا في النار the sheikh says imagine if a person was in a room or a car that was on fire and that person has no way of escape all the doors are locked in that room or in that car he's stuck in there and there's no way of escape and it's on fire no way to get out then what will be his state mentally as well in a state of complete loss that state of complete sorrow and that he's finished and he's going to die his mind will be completely gone in that state and so this is the type of affair that they will be in in that fire annaru alayhim muqsada fi amadin mumaddada ay anna hadhihi annar muqsada wa alayha a'mida mumidda ay mamduda ala jami'i an-nawahi wa az-zawaya حتى لا يتمكن أحد من فتحها أو الخروج منها. So this fire is encompassing them and closed in on them. And then on top of that, it has pillars, pillars stretched forth, uh, high pillars stretched forth on its sides, so that they cannot escape from it and they cannot find. Any way out of it. حَكَى اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى ذَلِكَ عَلَيْنَا وَبَيَّنَهُ لَنَا فِي هَذِهِ الصُّورَةِ لَا لِمُجَرَّدْ أَنْ نَتْلُوَهُ بِأَسِنَتِنَا أَوْ نَعْرِفَ مَعْنَاهُ بِأَفْهَامِنَا لَكِنْ الْمُرَادْ أَنْ نَحْذَرَ مِنْ هَذِهِ الْأَوْصَافِ الذَّمِيمَةِ عَيْبُ النَّاسِ بِالْقَوْلِ وَعَيْبُ النَّاسِ بِالْفِعْلِ والحرص على المال حتى كأن الإنسان إنما خلق للمال. So the point isn't just so that you recite this surah or that you understand its meanings like we have now, but the point is that you then implement this and make sure that you stay away from those types of evil characteristics of uh, backbiting, slander, of other types of evil speech against a person uh, or evil behaviors against another and the miserliness and the gathering of the wealth and counting it and preventing goodness and all of those types of characteristics you are to avoid them and stay away from them So a person should understand then that the fire they are going to be cast into, thrown into, then that is the fire that is the crushing fire and it penetrates upon the hearts and it is closed in on them in tall pillars and a person will not find any escape from that. Allah ta'ala an yujirana minha وأن يرزقنا الإخلاص في القول والعمل والاستقامة على دينه
So the Shaykh says, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from that and to uh, uh, bless us with sincerity in our statements and actions and uprightness upon his religion. So that is Surah Al-Humazah. That concludes that. And inshallah ta'ala, next week we will be on Surah Al-Asr. وَالْعَصَرْ إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَفِي خُسْرِ That will begin next week inshallah ta'ala and that is where we conclude today وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَى نَبِيَّنَا مُحَمَّدُ عَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ وَسَلَّمُ